the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello, families, and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. This is Jennifer Bryant, and you're listening to Episode 60, How to Prepare for the Sex Talk. Today on the podcast, we have Luke and Trisha Gilkerson, a married couple with five boys who have developed amazing curriculum for parents about how to approach your children about the subject of sexuality. They approach it from such a biblical standpoint. It's very refreshing actually to find resources like what Luke and Trisha produce over at their website, intoxicatedonlife.com. They have so many other wonderful resources there, including a video series for parents to prepare for giving the sex talk. Luke and Trisha have been married for 11 years. They have five boys, ages 14, 10, 7, 7, and 1. Yep, that's a set of twins in there. They've been homeschooling for nine years, and Luke has worked for the software company called Covenant Eyes. This software company is determined to help people set up accountability for protection against pornography. Luke was working as an educational specialist there, and when he and Trisha decided to create more relevant resources for parents and their children, they started doing Intoxicated on Life full-time. They've developed curriculum for sex education and science courses for homeschool families. They've also included handwriting and so many other wonderful things at intoxicatedonlife.com. So listen in to our conversation together as we talk about how to prepare for the sex talk with your kids. Welcome to the Practical Family Podcast, Luke and Trisha Gilkerson. I am so excited to meet you in over the virtual miles here. Yes, thank you so much for having us. You know, I think you were the first husband-wife couple that we've had on to the podcast thus far. Yay, we're the yeah, first. Breaking, breaking new ground, that's great. New ground all over the place. And I love what you guys have created over at your website, Intoxicated on Life. Can you tell me how you came up with that name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I it's funny because I'll you know, we travel to these different like homeschool conferences or churches or Christian conferences or whatever. And uh they look at our sign. They look at our <laughs> sign and I'm like, Yeah, had I known that we were gonna be like doing this gig full time, mm. I probably would have not for my personal blog put the word intoxicated <laughs> in the title, but you know, especially speaking to broadly Christian audiences. But regardless, mm. uh, that really just started as just a fun kind of effervescent name <laughs> that we had for our personal blog. Then it sort of just took on a life of its own. Um, over time, we started getting more followers, more traction, more visitors to the website. We started putting out different products for different, you know, some of our different readers based on, well, mostly a lot of our own needs that we saw. We saw a lot of needs in our own family and said, you know, this is something we need. We created it for our family, then we made it available to other families. And the more we did that, the more following we got. And over time, it just became this sort of thing took on a life of 
own. And now, you know, we thought about rebranding. Are we going to have a different name, you know, a different title? You know, people don't know what intoxicated on life means. But in the end, <laughs> we're like, you know what, people, that's how they know us. And we're kind of stuck with it. So, and we like it. It's a lot of fun. It's, it just communicates this idea of life, of something that is fun, something that's enjoyable, something that, it's, it's something people gravitate towards. So I, I love how you're saying that you began to create things as a family based on your own needs. And the subject that I wanted to talk to you about today is based on your series on teaching your children about sexuality. And this is, I find is more and more important as we're facing so many different political things coming in in our schools. And, and um, I know that a lot of parents even choose to homeschool because they don't want adverse influences from other sources. And I want to really unwrap that with you as we talk about your series particularly because I'm at that stage of life now. I have a nine and 10 year old and they're a girl and a boy. And as of now, they share the same room. We're having to talk to them about how their bodies are changing and things. So let's kind of dive in because I think I'll have some more parental personal questions for you, <laughs> even either within the interview or maybe after if you like coaching me. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind over here, but. <laughs> um, so when did you realize that the talk needed to happen in your own family? And then from there, how did you create that series? Well, I think a lot of it stems from both of our backgrounds and knowing we wanted to start early with our own kids. A lot of parents try to put it off as long as possible, but with Luke's background, working at Coveted Eyes and my background as a counselor, we saw how a lot of parents did it wrong and we wanted to make sure we were doing it right. And Luke especially read a ton of books on talking to your kids about sex. And as our oldest son approached, I, he was nine, right? Yeah, he was about nine. He was nine yeah. years old. As he approached nine years old, we thought, you know, we don't want to put this off any longer. We've got to do this and we've got to do it right. And we had some real strong opinions about the right way to do this and the best way to do this. When we saw that our oldest, you know, our oldest was certainly he was he he had a, he had questions, and they were fairly innocent kind of questions. And just, we could have put it off. I mean, sure. we could have put it off like a lot of parents do for quite a while. Yeah, we, we could. We homeschool. We right. You know, our kids aren't around a lot of other kids that are telling them stuff. We right. monitor our kids well, but the point wasn't putting it off as long as humanly possible. The point was doing it at a point in time that it made sense where he could intellectually understand the information, where we were going to be the first ones talking to him yes. and could frame it in a biblical way. And at a point where hopefully it was young enough where he didn't feel this real awkwardness and sense of embarrassment so we could have very open conversations. And I'll say that, you know, she mentioned my, my time at Covenant Eyes. I worked for Covenant Eyes for about eight years. They're a software company. And I was working, primarily my job was to write a lot of the educational materials for different audiences that Covenant Eyes serve. So whether that would be men or women, parents or whatever. And there was not a week that went by that I did not talk to somebody whose life had not been devastated by pornography. And whether that was an addict or the wife of an addict or probably the most sad stories, uh, the saddest stories were probably the, the, the cases of parents who were finding out that their 13-year-old you know, or their 12-year-old or their 8-year-old or their 7-year-old 
um, had been binging on pornography for days, weeks, months, or even years, and they didn't know. And inevitably, whether I talked to the addict, whether I talked to the wife of the addict, whether I talked to the parent, I always tried to drive the you know, discussion in the same direction. What, you know, if it was the parent, for instance, I say, well, what are you doing proactively to talk to your kids about godly sexuality? And nine times out of 10 or more, I heard, we're not doing anything. We're not saying anything. Or uh, what we've said is very minimal. You know, we've just done some basic kind of some few little puberty things, but that's it. We haven't talked to anything else. And that to me, when I saw like, that's not, that's actually part of the problem here. I mean, yeah, the pornography, it's titillating, it's addicting, it's, it's you know, all, the, all kinds of problems with the pornography, but these children have nothing, they have no grid to understand what they're seeing. They just know it's exciting and weird and scary and all this other stuff. They have no, no idea what they're, what they're looking at. They have no idea why this is so alluring to them and then why it's a counterfeit of something that is so good, created by a good God. Um, and so that, to me, that was a big red flag for me is I don't want to put my kids in that position where they feel that way. So for us, we really wanted to be proactive and that's how it really, for us, that's how it really started. Mm, yes. Being proactive, deciding to sort of head off those unhealthy behavior patterns at the past, right? To just be there. And as parents, when we act as that very powerful, protective force, in our kids' lives is what I started to really feel about my kids. Like, no, I, the culture does not have control over my kids. We do in a godly way. And that's what was so attracted me to your curriculum, as especially as a mom and a dad determined to do the same thing. So let's talk about your curriculum set. So we started off with the book, The Talk. You continued it into the book, Changes and then Relationships. I love that. So let's talk about the progression there and why you wanted to go to those places first. Well, yeah. that's actually one of the big questions we get from a lot of parents is what, what book? Don't we start with changes first and then move to the talk? And we yeah. always say, no, we don't. Um, we start with the talk first and we always recommend parents start with the talk first because it gives a context for what's happening with your body. Um, it gives a context. It's, it's not that God is making all these things, you know, he didn't make your body to do all these crazy things. Um, you don't just go through a period every month for the fun of it. Nobody right. enjoys that. Um, but it makes sense when we understand the grand scheme of things. And here's what God designed us to do as men and women and what procreation looks like and why he designed it. And then talk about, and here's how our bodies are getting ready for that. Um, you know, puberty is all about getting ready for uh, being a sexually mature adult. Right. And so we try to frame everything in that context. And the, the first book we came out with, okay, was the talk. That one we designed for ages six to 10. And, you know, so that you're talking for a lot of kids, that's going to be pre-puberty or at, at the... It or, should be. Uh, for, you know, for some, kids are going to start puberty early. Uh, but uh, for a lot of kids, it's going to be before puberty that they're having these conversations. And like Tricia was saying, the goal here is to give a godly understanding, a godly context for what sexuality is. So in that book, we talk about some very basic things. We talk about the differences between men and women, how babies are made, how babies grow in the womb 
the importance of faithfulness in marriage, those kind of things, just very basic concepts. And then from there, they have a, now they have an understanding of, okay, this is what sexuality is and what it's for. And so then when puberty comes along, now we're in, gearing up to talk about, um, like Trisha's saying, it's not just bare biological changes that are happening to my body. Puberty, if you're going to talk about it at all, if you're going to talk about it in a right way, then puberty is to be talked about as sexual maturing. Your body is gearing up for the possibility of you being a father or a mother someday. That's what your body is going through. And unless you understand what sex is, how babies are made, all that kind of stuff, then you're not going to understand the puberty stuff. That's what that's where that's where changes came in a little later. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to mention in a, that first book, another thing that one of the lessons talks about is the sexual abuse. And a lot of parents, you know, we've talked to parents who go, "Well, I don't really think I need to talk to my kids about that. They're not in that situation." It's so important we give our kids the language to be able to talk about that to understand what's happening. Because we always think it won't be our kids. I'm always with my kids. My kids, it would never happen, but we have had conversations with so many parents that they said that. They said, oh, I knew it would never be my kid, but there was this one time. Yeah. Or even we have a friend of ours who you know, told us when she was 12 years old, she was molested by a friend of hers. But she didn't know that's what it was until years and years later because her parents had never talked to her even about sex, um, let alone about sexual abuse or anything like that. So we believe it's really important to talk to our kids really young about that topic so they have the words and know that it, anything were to ever happen, that it's definitely they need to be talking to us as parents. The highest frequency of sexual abuse happens between the ages of 7 and 13, and, and usually from people that the family knows and trusts. So gladly we don't live in a world where the vast majority of children are being abused, but we do see this group, we do see some uh, percentage of them that are. So it's good for the sake of every child to know what that is, even if they're, you know, six, seven years old, to know what that is, to know why that's wrong, to know the difference between good touch and bad touch mm -hmm. and what that is, so that they have the language to say that to mom and dad if something were to, God forbid, happen to them. Yes, yes. I had taken my kids through the talk probably about a year and a half ago or so, and now that they're nine and 10, I feel the need to even go over it again. Like, remember what we talked about before, guys? And how, you know, mama said, and how, you remember how stuff works, right? And what sex is. And so now that they're getting closer and then, and seeing more things, being exposed to more things, for heaven's sake, walking by the Victoria's Secret store in the mall, you know, and understanding those images. And for my son, how he's supposed to think about girls and, you know, respecting his sister, but then grown girls, like they're talking about body parts now. And you know, developing breasts and things like that. And so my son is watching my daughter go through her own form of puberty and he's going through a totally different one, but we want them to have that healthy respect for each other as they grow, right? So yes, I hear you when it comes to understanding what's even happening. And your situation actually uh, begs the same, actually a very common question that we get mm -hmm. at a lot of, when we speak at a lot of venues. One of or the emailed. We get or this emails. Yeah, all the time, whether we speak, whether it's email. One of the most common questions is, okay, I see your book here. I see what it's for. And they look through it and they say, okay, so it talks about boy parts and girl parts. And it talks about how babies are made and all this stuff. One of the big questions they have is, should I do this talk 
with mixed gender children, a boy and a girl. I've got a son and a daughter or, you know, sons and daughters. That are a year or two apart. That are a few years apart or whatever. And I always tell them, I say, well, the official answer is it depends. (laughs) The longer answer is if it is natural for your family to do family devotions all together, where you're all, we are all sitting together and talking about you know, opening up the Bible, praying together and, and reading the scriptures together as a family, and it's boys and girls all together, then yes, do it there. There's nothing typically, about the, typically, yes. there's nothing about the topic itself that should prohibit boys and girls having this conversation together. And for the very reason you just cited, the girls are gonna be able to contribute something to the discussion and the boys are gonna be able to contribute something to the discussion. Mm-hmm and able to foster a mutual respect for one another. Um, and so that's, that's really helpful. Now, uh, some exceptions to that might be um, if you have, this is so much have to do with boys and girls, but if you've got a particularly shy child that will never ever talk when their sibling is around because their sibling does all the talking for them, <laughs> and you want to be able to draw out that shyer child or something like that, then yeah, there's benefit to doing these things one-on-one in specific circumstances. Sure, there's always benefit doing this stuff one-on-one. Um, but also just keep in mind, this isn't an either-or thing. This isn't, I do this talk either altogether or I do this talk separately. You're going to be doing it both because all the book's there to do is to break the ice. It gets the conversation started. It's the formal lessons that you're open, you know, cracking open the Bible, talking about it, praying about it together. But then after that, at least what we hear from a lot of families is now that we've done this formal discussion, now on a you know, regular basis, on a day-to-day level, my kid's coming up to me and they're asking questions. And I'm able to bring up the conversation more naturally and organically because we've already had this formal discussion. And so it's not an either-or thing. It's, it's not either do this or do that. Of course, talk to your daughter alone. Yes, of course, talk to your son alone. Yes, talk to them all together. That's all fun. Right. I'm glad that you clarified that because I, I hear from some parents that they may feel the need to just have that, you know, separate time or, or you know, have the talk, but not in a super obvious way or not, not, so, not to make everyone uncomfortable about it or anything. And I understand that too, especially if you are a more reserved adult, you know, because not every... And given our, our own history, we may not have ever had that modeled. And so I, I see this as a really great opportunity for discipleship among adults. And that's what I love about your video series, too, that you've made that for parents. And, and parents, I encourage you to go to Intoxicated on Life and get their video series and just sit with it. Let it soak in to your own mind and your spirit as you pray about it, because this is coming from a husband and wife who have who are actively going through it with their own kids too. So thank you guys so much. The next thing is, you already addressed one of the common questions that parents have, but what do you find are the common fears that parents bring up about not maybe not feeling ready to have the talk? Undoubtedly, starting too soon. They're afraid that they're gonna start too soon and they're gonna some way yeah. scar their child. I don't think any parent can really start too soon, though. And I think that the worst that would happen if you started too soon is your kids just wouldn't really get it and you'd have to do it again. Um, and as you mentioned before, you even, even after you have a talk, the talks <laughs> with your kids, you're going to have to go back yeah. and review with them. And we've seen that in our own kids. You know, even with my last pregnancy, we have a 15-month-old. Our second son... 
he was feeling a bit iffy because we were like, don't you remember this, Cameron? We talked about this. Well, I kind of remember some of it. And so, you know, it was a perfect opportunity to, again, talk about how are babies made and how do they grow in the mother's womb and um, a real natural way to bring, bring that up. But, you know, we find ourselves reviewing a lot. It's like anything else we're teaching our kids and homeschoolers. We know we've got to review concepts over and over for it to really sink in. But yeah, parents really struggle with fearing they're going to introduce these topics too soon and maybe titillate their children or cause them to be thinking about sex all the time or make them too uncomfortable. But the opposite is actually true. When you start younger, your kids are more comfortable and more likely to talk to you about it. If you start older, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, we hear some parents, they say, well, my kids were really uncomfortable. Well, yeah, because by that time, they probably have some idea of what's going on and know more than you know that they know. Right. And so <laughs> now it's uncomfortable and it's weird that mom is talking to me about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also, it, I, I mean, we meet a lot of people. It's funny. There's the different mentalities of parents that we'll meet. You've got some parents who are on the, you know, their far end of like, okay, my son's 14 years old and I've never even whispered any of these body parts to him ever in his (laughs) life. And now I've got to play catch up, right? They're afraid of doing that. Then you meet parents on the opposite end of the spectrum. And these are, these are really funny because it really goes to show that no age is really too young. We talk to a lot of parents who they are um, homesteaders. So the kids are growing up around a lot of animals all the time. Mm -hmm. And they talk, I talked to them and they're like, my kids knew about sex when they were three. <laughs> Why? Because they saw the cows and they saw the chickens, you know, and like they get And it's them. no big deal. Right. And when you think about it, the majority of human beings in the majority of cultures throughout time had a much closer relationship to the natural world than we do in our more sterilized uh, kind of suburban and urban societies that we live in have a much more closer have much closer connection to that and there's nothing inherently scandalizing about knowing what sexual reproduction is it's a very natural part of life and especially when you encase that discussion with a biblical framework about what sex is that sex is good but it's also powerful and you you help kids to understand that in the context of that it being a good thing and being for marriage and all that kind of stuff uh, there's nothing scandalizing about sexuality that, that, that it would do that, that it would, that it would harm our children in that way. Um, and like she said, like Trisha was saying, it's, it's more about their intellectual maturity of what are they grasping? What are they picking up from the conversation? You teach a three-year-old like you would a three-year-old. Your language has to be simpler and a little more basic, and that's okay because you're just laying the foundation for having a little bit more of a complex discussion a year or two or three or four later. And that's okay. These, this is not going to be one conversation. This is going to be a lot of conversations. And I think hard piggybacking on this fear question, I don't want to do this too early, is parents have this concept in their mind of one whopping enormous conversation. <laughs> Download of you know information that they have to. We're get. gonna sit down and get this done. We're stuff we did this it. Stuff down <laughs> your throat and just gonna be this massive thing. And that sounds awkward to them. And the reason is because that is awkward, <laughs> right? Like we're gonna give you, you know, years worth of sex education in twenty minutes. Here you go. It's like uh, I don't know. That is awkward. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't do it that way, if you plan it 
stage by stage, age by age, like you would any subject matter, right? I don't sit down one afternoon when my kid's five and teach him calculus. That's not, that doesn't happen. <laughs> We're doing all our math in one day. We're today. doing all our math in one day. That's not how it happens, right? We do the same thing with sex education. And when you, are, when you know that, then it frees you. It frees you to say, I'm going to teach a little bit of something today and then a little bit of something some other day. And you don't feel overwhelmed by it. And I think that really helps. And that's part of why the books are designed the way they are. They're not designed as one conversation piece, but a series of conversations. But, you know, you should be starting even before those books sure. with yeah. concepts like, you know, with your three and four-year-old, What's yeah. the difference between a male and a female? There, there are differences. We can teach them how babies grow in the womb. Maybe they don't understand, can't understand how they get there and things like that, but they can understand that's where they grow and they can understand what their body parts are called and we can use proper terminology for that and different things like that with our really little ones. Even before a child is five years old, they can learn that God made their body that God is good, their bodies are good, that they can be taught that, um, that family is good, that marriage is good and created by God. All these are really basic Genesis 1 and 2 kind of conversations. And that's good. You know, just start with some basic casual kind of conversations like that. And if you need to play catch up, okay, that's, that's fine. You know, if, you, if you're way behind on it, that's okay. But start now. You know, if you feel like you're behind, you feel like you like, oh, I need to really play catch up now. That's okay. Just start now and pick up where you can. That's such great advice. Thank you so much. This kind of reminds me as we wrap up now, reminds me of a weird and awkward story that is my own story that I want to share with you. And maybe you can kind of help me through this and, and will help other moms in the process. When it comes to being proactive about teaching our kids about sex, and because mothers tend to be the primary educator in the home, okay, I found myself becoming insecure about, okay, am I going to be the only one talking to them about this? And even broaching the subject with my husband felt awkward for me. Like, um, they're going to talk to them about sex now. And he's like, um, okay. And then he just left it at that. (laughs) No, but... Can you talk, like, like, can you take our son aside and talk to him about, like, erections or something? And he's like, what? Um, like, you know, like, you need to be the one talking to him, right? Like, I'm getting all flustered and all upset. <laughs> and he's like, woman, I, you just brought this to me. Like, give me some time to think about this myself. And I, I got so worried about you know, oh my gosh, my husband's not on board. Like, how are we going to do this? And that wasn't the case at all. It was, it really came down to a matter of like communicating and like, okay, give them a little bit to think about. So what do you say to, to moms who are just like, well, I don't know how to encourage my husband to talk to my kids about about that or the boys or whatever. Like, what does that generally look like? I'm going to let him answer this, but I will say, I know there are some men who will not talk to their kids. And I know there are some women that are in that situation And, you know, they say, well, who should I get to talk to my kids then (laughs) or my son specifically? And I say, well, you need to do it. And that's okay if it is just you. You know, there's single moms out there who they just have to be the ones to do it. And ideally, I think it's great if both parents can have play some part in this with our boys. 
My husband has taken the lead on the formal conversations. He sits down with the books and goes through it. But I have lots and lots of informal conversations with the boys. So whether you have boys or girls, I would encourage both parents to be involved in some way with these conversations and have some have some conversations about this. But I think Luke should answer the question about how can you encourage you your husband them? since you are a husband? Uh, well, <laughs> it, assuming the assuming husband's on you know this, the the same page faith wise, right? If you're talking to a Christian man, then um, you know talk to your husband about the importance of, you know, I see a real importance of making sure that we talk to our kids young about this, because as you know, husband, as you know, it's difficult to grow up in a world where a lot of sexual temptations are being thrown at you. You grew up in that world and our kids are growing up in a even more, (laughs) even more. And they're, they're growing up in the wild West now when it comes to sexual temptations getting thrown at them, it's, you know, it's really, you know, it's, it's only gotten worse. So, Phrase it this way. Let's sit down sometime and talk together about the best way to approach this. You know, get them to agree to having the conversation with you first about what's the best approach. All right, start there. He agrees to that. Okay, cool. Yeah, we should come up with a plan. I like that idea. Let's come up with a plan. And then when it comes to convincing him or talking to him about doing more formal discussions with, with his son or whatever, say, hey, look, I'm very willing to talk to our son at any time about these things. I'm, I'm willing to talk to him about erections or ejaculation or whatever, you know, wet dreams or whatever. I'll be, I want to talk to him all that stuff and I can give him, you know, I can give him the correct biological answer. I mean, I can do all that stuff. I can give him a spiritual perspective, but I think he would also benefit from hearing from his father on these things as well. In fact, you know, even maybe even hearing it from a personal perspective, hearing about these things and so what would you be comfortable doing, you know, and then just kind of conversing with your husband about what the best way to approach that would be. Um, I would say this both to, to, well, I would say this to moms and dads though, in this regard. Um, Proverbs six, it's a great passage that talks about how um, we should, um, it's, a, it's a passage written from father to son saying, you know, talking about, especially at the end of that chapter, they're talking about how to avoid sexual temptations. And in that specific chapter, the author of the Proverbs says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart. And then it says, those things will then lead you as you're dealing with sexual temptations. It's both the father's and the mother's teaching that's going to help guide that young man through all the, all the temptations of youth. And that I think is really, really important to understand that the mother, just because she's a woman, doesn't disqualify her from teaching her son. The father, just because he's a man, doesn't disqualify from teaching his daughter on these subjects. Kids have benefit from hearing from both parents. And of course, if you're a single parent, you know, you do your, your voice, your strong voice in your, in your child's life, giving biblical correction will be a great lamp, a guidepost, a lamppost leading them through those difficult times. Of temptation. So you do the best you can with it, pray like crazy, and you know, be consistent in the conversations, be repeated in the conversations, and ultimately um, leave the results up to God. You've been listening to episode 60 and my conversation with Luke and Trisha Gilkerson, creators of intoxicatedonlife.com and the series The Talk. 
You must pick up the series today. It includes the book, The Talk, Changes, and Relationships, everything that your kids need to understand about sexuality and entering into puberty and understanding this vast world of relationships. Check out our show notes for any links related to that and visit intoxicatedonlife.com. Remember that you can join the Practical Family Community to take advantage of more resources that we have in our freebie library. Go to practicalfamily.org and sign up to join the community today. Get the latest updates via email, and you can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. This has been Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are here to encourage you and your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes.